You're listening to a Toronto Centre podcast. Welcome. The goal of TC Podcasts is to spread the knowledge and accumulated experience of global leaders, experts, and world-renowned specialists in financial supervision and regulation. In each episode, we'll delve into some of today's most pressing issues as it relates to financial supervision and regulation. The financial crisis, climate change, financial inclusion, fintech, and much more. Enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. I am Eric Pose, Program Director at Toronto Centre. This podcast is based on a recent Toronto Centre note. Toronto Centre notes are meant to provide practical guidance to financial sector supervisors and key supervisory challenges. My guest today is Alison Harwood, the author of the TC note on the new ISSB standards, which is published this month. Through her work on boards, think tanks and consulting, Alison focuses on issues around mobilizing capital to finance the sustainable digital goals and the climate agenda. This is following a long career at the World Bank developing capital markets in emerging market countries. Alison, welcome and thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. The ISSB standards were published last June. These are brand new standards. Could you briefly explain to those of us unfamiliar with the ISSB standards what they are and why they were developed? Yes, well, thank you very much, Eric. I'm very happy to talk about these new standards as they really are a major step forward in uh, sustainability reporting and sustainability investing. So first, what are they? So the standards were developed to set a global baseline of comparable, consistent, and comprehensive information about sustainability and climate issues. The ISSB adopted two standards. The first is a general framework for reporting on all sustainability-related areas. <clears throat> That's referred to as Standard 1. It's based on the TCFD's four-pillar reporting framework, reporting on strategy, governance, risk management, targets, and metrics. And the second is a standard which is specific for reporting on climate-related risks and opportunities. This is referred to as Standard 2. And it focuses largely on reporting about emissions. And it uses the same TCFD four-pillar structure. And going forward, the IASB plans to uh, prepare more standards for specific sustainability areas. The next one is expected to be for biodiversity laws. So why were these standards adopted? So the standards are targeted at investors particularly, at providing investors with better information so they can make more informed decisions about the risks and opportunities of particular investments in the sustainability and climate space. And they were very much needed because to date, reporting on sustainability and climate activities has been voluntary. Regulators for years felt that areas like climate issues were nice to know about, but they didn't affect financial performance. And that led to an alphabet soup of reporting approaches, which aren't always comparable or complete. Firms can report on what they do well, they can leave out what they don't do well, definitions are different. And this is also a large reason why greenwashing you know, has developed. So investors have been really clamoring for years for regulators to get better disclosure on sustainability and climate and make it easier for them to make really informed decisions about risks and also decisions about where they should best put their money if they want to support a positive climate and sustainability agenda. 
and investors now fully recognize, as everybody else does, that climate change has the potential to significantly affect financial performance and systemic risk. And this has led to a global effort which has been pushed by the G20, the G7, FSB, IOSCO, and others to create this global baseline that everybody can use that's comparable, consistent, and complete reporting around the world and making it easier for investors to compare investments within and across jurisdictions. So, you know, that's what the ISSB standards are set to do. Again, it's a major step forward and a highly positive development. Thank you, Alison. You mentioned uh, TCFD. I think that there are quite a few other standards that, that exist. Can you explain how they fit in and, and what they bring in addition to these standards? That's a really great question. And the fact that the ISSB built the new standards on existing frameworks is a really important aspect of the work. The ISSB standards are, you know, as I said, built on the TCFD, which is, you know, the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure. The four-pillar approach that the TCFD uses, which I mentioned before, on governance, strategy, risk management, and metrics, is at the heart of both IISB standards. And the ISSB, you know, built on that and other existing frameworks because they were very conscious of, you know, not reinventing the wheel, not creating a lot of additional costs, building on the knowledge that a lot of places already have about these kind of standards. And another really important reason for building on existing standards is because of the urgency in getting this reporting in place. You know, just talking about the TCFD, right, I mean, this has become a well-known framework for reporting on climate on climate issues. It's uh, numerous companies and financial institutions are using it. Others have been learning how to use it over the past several years. And it's a well thought out framework. I mean, there was really no reason to come up with something new. So this, you know, will save significant time in money to develop the standards and accelerate the implementation. And again, that's critical given the urgency of the climate change agenda. Obviously, thank you so much, Alison. You, well, you know, Toronto's center main domain of expertise is, is financial supervision. Can you now tell us how the ISSB can help achieve supervisory goals, actually? So, as I mentioned, you know, the standards were created primarily with investors in mind, but having more consistent, comparable, and comprehensive information on sustainability, and especially climate exposures in this instance, will have many positives for financial supervisors. I mean, most generally, it can really improve their ability to identify where the risks are coming from related to particularly climate change and how to manage them. And these are risks that relate to investors and consumers, individual financial institutions, and then, you know, the entire financial system, which are the areas, you know, obviously that financial supervisors are most concerned about. So, you know, I mean, it's well documented that climate change can cause serious physical and transition risks to all of these parties, investors, financial institutions, and financial systems. I mean, for physical risk, companies that get fully flooded can't operate, you know, they lose income, they default on loans, they cause employment drops, they create defaults, and all of these run through the financial institutions that we're talking about. And transition risks like investors divesting from a company that they feel is not a good climate corporate citizen has similar kinds of outcomes. 
So, you know, these, again, these risks flow through all of these types of participants in the financial system. And so with this improved disclosure, supervisors can get more accurate and complete information to do better scenario and other vulnerability analyses to, again, identify where the vulnerabilities are in particular institutions in the financial system. They can determine if financial institutions are, are really able to themselves identify and manage their own risks because by preparing the materials, you can see how well financial institutions have the governance, the strategies, the risk management, and the metrics. And it also then helps supervisors understand, do they need to like request more capital or take other kind of actions to help reduce the risks of financial institutions? And importantly, as I mentioned before, just the fact that financial institutions have to prepare these documents really helps them to better understand where their strengths and weaknesses are in managing these risks, and, and that is important for financial supervisors as well. A, a different kind of issue is that having all of this information will also help supervisors understand how well countries are making investments that will help them achieve their climate targets. Because if they don't reach the targets, that means that countries may be facing, you know, greater climate problems in the future that will have to be managed. So that's really important. And just one last point is I think from, again, going back to the investor's perspective, countries that are better managed, where the risks are better managed and the disclosure is better, are also going to be more attractive investment outlets to get money that will also help their climate agendas. So lots of benefits to financial supervisors from this new development. I see, I see. ISSB will definitely help. We, we, we've talked about rational behind the, the, the standard, their contribution to supervision. Let's now speak maybe about the implementation of these standards. What would be your advice for the supervisor? What would the first steps be? Well, this is not easy. <laughs> this is not easy to do. And so the first thing I think that I would, would say for supervisors is, is really more of a mindset issue. I mean, I think you have to realize that these standards are really a work in progress. They were adopted very fast because they were urgent. I mean, the ISSB was, it's amazing how quickly I got all of this in place. And again, they were being, you know, really asked to do this by places like the G20 and FSB and, and others. So the speed also means that some of the standards are going to need refinement over time. There's loads of capacity building that needs to be done to implement them. And the benefits are going to take time to realize. I mean, countries that have been using TCFD, that have companies that have been using TCFD, are going to be, it's going to be quicker for them to see the benefits. But it's going to take a long time for this to happen to the full extent. Um, it's an evolutionary process. You know, the, the second point is that there are some really big challenges that supervisors can be focused on in implementation. I mentioned about, you know, capacity building, understanding how to do the TCFD preparation, how to do scenario analyses. There are huge data gaps that have to be worked on to get the data to put into all of this reporting, particularly around things like scope three emissions, which are very critical. And so the ISSB mentions repeatedly that, you know, they expect jurisdictions to become more sophisticated in implementing this reporting over time and to just keep building their capabilities. 
So that's a second point. The third point that I would mention is there are some important policy decisions that really need, need to be made early on by supervisors. And the first one, and most important, is whether they should even adopt these standards and whether to make them mandatory. These standards are actually still voluntary. And the only way that a global baseline is going to get created is if jurisdictions adopt the standards and make them mandatory. And if they're not adopted, you're actually going to create a double negative. You're going to reduce the ability to create that global baseline plus add to this confusing alphabet super voluntary standards that's out there today. And that's, you know, underlying why this is so important. And there are lots of benefits to adopting these standards. I mean, I mentioned about, you know, obviously the global baseline and attracting more investment money potentially. But, you know, having a global standard also makes it much easier for all the firms that operate in lots of different jurisdictions because they just have to be putting in place one approach. So that's, you know, recognizing that these are a work in progress, addressing some of those bigger challenges, and, and making that important policy decision about adopting them are some really important starting points. Exactly. We've seen that many jurisdictions have or are developing sustainability and climate reporting approaches. How will that affect their ability to coordinate with the ISSB standards and contribute to creating a global reporting baseline? That's another really great question. What we're talking about here is what they refer to as interoperability. How do you get the ISSB standards operating together with the standards that particular jurisdictions are adopting? You know, as everybody knows, there are a lot of jurisdictions that are already preparing their own standards, and there are others that are um, that have got them in place already. And some, you know, jurisdictions are going, I'm going to have some elements in their standards that are very specific to their circumstances. Sometimes they might be more stringent. So, so the way the ISSB is dealing with this is its its standard should be seen as a building block that jurisdictions can build on, where S1 and S2 become the core of everybody's standard. You, you follow what they have, that becomes the core of the standards. And then every jurisdiction can add on anything that they think they need in addition to that. This is also another reason for building off of TCFD, for making TCFD the heart of these ISSB standards, because pretty much every jurisdiction around the world that is working on some standards today is also using the TCFD framework as their conceptual approach. So it makes it easier for all of these to operate together. And, um, and, and the ISSB is right now working very closely with many jurisdictions worldwide to see how they make this work so that a global baseline can be built. We can expect a global database <laughs> in the future, maybe. Finally, maybe to move forward and implement the ISSB standard, you, you suggest three steps, uh, collaborating at home, building capacity, and collaborating globally. Can you elaborate on that? Have you identified a list of skills that would be essential for the implementation of, of the standards at the supervisory level? These are three fundamental areas that really apply when you're kind of building any new market or activity in a country. And it's been nice over the years to see how much the collaboration piece has now just become central to pretty much any market development that's happening. But, but yeah, so the first, um, the first is really this 
collaborating at home. And, and there it's something like building some kind of a, a committee, maybe a sustainability committee of financial, of different financial supervisors. And, and you see this in several countries. And the reason is, is that these issues that we're talking about really cut across, you know, all these financial institutions, banks, insurance firms, asset managers, pension funds, they're going to have similar exposures to similar types of entities. They're going to have similar risks from climate change. These risks can all be, you know, transmitted from one to the other and throughout the financial system. So different financial supervisors really understand their own those they regulate best. And so you can really get more kind of a more complete understanding of the risks and quality disclosure. You know, if each supervisor is really involved in, in kind of identifying what types of disclosure, you know, how, how to have the disclosure work for their particular institutions and developing scenario analyses that fit their financial institution area, and, and also determining how to, re, how to react if they think that more risk management is, is needed. So, so then they can all contribute their different pieces to a bigger understanding of what's happening in the, in the system. And it's also important that they come up with common definitions about how these different standards are going to uh, be applied to their institution. So that's one, that, that collaboration among the supervisors. And the second is, you know, as I've mentioned before, the capacity building. I mean, it's pretty clear that there's an enormous amount of capacity building that needs to be done to put this in place for the supervisors and also for those who regulate. I mean, they have to really understand what these requirements are for supervisors. You know, they have to develop the stronger capabilities to evaluate these reports, to do the vulnerability and scenario analyses to identify the risks and determine how they're going to respond to them. You know, and they, they also are going to have to develop stronger capabilities to really look at what the financial institutions they regulate are preparing and how, and how well those documents are being put in place. You know, reporting on scope three emissions are, is a major challenge for everyone, and there's going to be extensive work needed to get the understanding throughout the financial system and beyond of how to of how to do that. And then again also developing the, you know, the capacity to understand and to use the data. And then in terms of collaborating globally, I mean this is a global effort of really big proportions and there's lots of reasons why collaborating globally will be beneficial. First is just to keep updated on the changes that are made. As I mentioned, you know, these standards are a work in progress, and things are going to be refined and changed over time, and everybody's going to want to be up on what changes are happening. I, you know, there's a lot of uh, learning that can be done from others' experiences. I mean, it really will be important to be involved in, like, peer groups and IOSCO to see, you know, what are others who are, who are in similar levels of development in their markets and activities to yours, share learning across um, similar countries. And then it's also important to be at the table so you can contribute to the refinements, make sure that your voice is heard about when you're using these standards, what work, what doesn't, where could things be changed to be more effective in your jurisdiction, and be able to contribute that as changes are being, are being considered and factored in. And then the last point I'll just note, mention is that there's an enormous amount of capacity building efforts being done by the ISSB 
by IASCO, by the Sustainable Stock Exchange Initiative, by the UN. I mean, there's just lots happening. And every jurisdiction will want to take advantage of the capacity building efforts out there to help accelerate their ability to make the most out of these new standards as quickly as possible. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alison. And also, thank you for authoring such an important and timely TC note. I encourage our audience to read the TC note, which can be found on our website. Please feel free to send any questions or requests regarding TC notes to publication at torontocenter.org. I'm here today with Alison Harwood, and you have been listening to the TC Notes podcast series. Thank you for joining us today, and stay tuned for the next episode.